Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. You know, last weekend, we wrapped up our series, Happily Ever After, and it's been one of those amazing series that I hope that you return to often. Now, being that it's Palm Sunday weekend, I thought it'd be a great time to recap our last eight weeks together. And I think you're going to thoroughly enjoy this message and the guests that I have interacting with me. You know, it's a great time for us to be the church as we have this time of quarantine being thrust upon us. You see, I think it's a time we can choose to deepen our immediate relationships as well as truly access some much needed time with our Savior, God. So take out your notes, his amazing love letter, your Bible, and let's get into it. Last weekend, we wrapped up our series, Happily Ever After. And now this weekend being the Palm Sunday weekend, that weekend that we celebrate when Jesus came into Jerusalem for the last time, of which we'll talk a little bit more about that next weekend, I just thought it would be very good if we would go back and just recap the last eight weeks. You know, we've had amazing comments come in of people talking about how this has not only transformed their marriage, but specifically how it's transforming them now in the wake of this virus. You know, I love talking to children when it comes to marriage, and I thought I would just share a couple of these with you because they just say the darndest things, don't they? Uh, little Derek, age eight, he was asked, how do you tell if two people are married? I loved his response. Well, you might have to guess based on whether they seem to be yelling at the same kids or not. <laughs> I think there's a lot of truth that in there. And then little Ricky, age 10, he was asked, how would you make your marriage work? His response is classic. Tell your wife she's pretty, even if she looks like a truck. <laughs> Don't you love what they say? But more importantly, I love what God has to say when it comes to marriage. And so I want to invite you to turn to your Bibles to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, we've been looking at this passage throughout this series, and I thought it'd be appropriate that we just look at it one more time. Now, to set this up, I want to share with you a story that I'd heard. It talks about a man who died and stood sulking outside the gates of heaven. Picture that for a moment. The man standing outside of heaven, and he's sulking. Well, St. Peter noticed that something was wrong, and so he simply asked him why he looked so down. And the man reacted quickly. Well, I'm mad at God. I'm just mad at God. All my life, I was taught that marriages were made in heaven. So I began to pray for a wife and believe that God would answer my prayer. Well, thus, I met a woman. She was a Christian. I, too, am a Christian. We were both raised in Christian homes. So we got married. But it was interesting. We went to church. We brought up our kids accordingly but neither of us seemed to be happy. In fact, we seemed to make each other miserable. So in the end, we just left each other alone. She went her way, I went mine, and God has let me down. St. Peter sort of smiled and said, well, let me first check to make sure your names are in the book of life. He looked and said, yep, your both names are here. Well, you did marry in God's will. And guess what? Marriages are made in heaven. But I have to wonder, sir, if maybe you made the mistake that so many do. You see, we get men and women here every day that seem to have the same complaint that you do. You see, you think that God gives you the fruit of a happy Christian marriage, but he doesn't. God gave you the seed, 
and it's up to you and how you planted it. Now think about that for a moment. God gave us the seed of an incredible marriage. And it's to that that I want to talk about. It's filled with the fruit of everything that you really desire of what you want a marriage to be. But catch this. But then he gave us the word, the word of God, to be the guide in how we're to plant that seed. And if we will obey those instructions and we will apply them, we would experience all that God had purposed and planted for our marriages. Think about that. But the question is, have you done that? Are you doing that? Church, listen, we have an enemy. We have an enemy, and I don't think that most people even think there is an enemy. You know why I say that? It's in how they live. They live as if there is no enemy. And thus, they wonder why things happen the way that they do. But there's an enemy, and his name is Satan. And I want you to catch this, people. He's going to do everything he can to make sure that the seed doesn't get planted rightly and healthily. Can I tell you what the Bible says? The Bible says, look at this. We are not fighting against humans. Mm -hmm. That's what the Bible says. We're not fighting against humans. And I want to pause here for a moment because this is really important that you catch this. Okay? Always in life, there's going to be relationships we don't always see eye to eye. Would you agree? We're not always going to see eye to eye. We're not always going to agree on everything. But we don't seem to understand that humans are not our enemy. So why do we keep living like they are? Church, don't miss this. Because when we think that other people are our enemy, we're helping the devil in his schemes. We're in partnership with him. Church, do not miss this. We're not fighting against humans. You ready for this? I'm talking about in-laws. I'm talking about ex-spouses. I'm talking about stepchildren. Those are not our battle. We have an enemy who's doing everything he can and he's going to use other people to distract us. And it, and it works, doesn't it? We can easily get caught up in that. But we're not battling against humans. You know what the Bible says? We're fighting against forces and authorities and against rulers of darkness and of powers in the spiritual world. And Satan knows that when the home goes, so goes society. So goes nations because the home feeds them. The home is to fuel them. Thus, he will direct all the powers he can to come against our marriages. See, to cripple a nation, to cripple a society, all he has to do is put tension in the home. That's what he does. Folks, let me give you a little secret. Don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. Listen, he's the author of your arguments. He's the author of your greed, your laziness, your pouting, your neglect, your infidelity, your alcoholism. Because he knows if he can make our home hell, we will lose the touch of heaven's hope. Can I say that again? If he can make our home hell, we will lose touch. We will lose sight of heaven's hope. Let me say it again. Don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. 
So, so let me give you a, a little key principle in life. We have to learn to cooperate with God. See, the Bible says in the same passage, let his mighty strength make you strong. By the way, that's one of the great, you ready for this? That's one of the great helps and one of the great needs and the great wants of a life group. That's why we need a life group. It's a group of people helping us have life. Hence, a life group. So I have a new mantra for our church. You ready for this? Get a life group. You with me on that? Oh my goodness. Let's say it together. Get a life group. We all need that. We need to get a life group. You know those Snickers commercials? Have you, do you remember these that, that have been out? You're just not yourself. I love that. Let me just say this. You'll never be yourself. You'll never be your full self without a group that gives you life. And that's what we're going to talk about as we kind of wrap this up. One more time looking at God's purpose, God's plan for marriage, for our relationships. And so if you've got your Bibles, I want to go to Genesis chapter 2. And I want you to follow along what the Bible says. You ready for this? Genesis 2, beginning in the 18th verse. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Mark that. It's so important you catch this. I will make a helper. I will make a partner who is just right for him, who's perfect for him. Hence marriage. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he could call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave them names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, watch this, there was no helper just right for him. Everything that God created, it just wasn't right yet. It wasn't perfect. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. And then while the man was sleeping, he beat him with that rib. No, he didn't do that. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like I need that. You know what I'm talking about? All right. But while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and he closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. And he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed. Remember that? Hey, hey, hey. I love that. (laughs) This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is cleaving to his wife. He is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife are both naked, but they felt no shame. Man, do I love this passage. And so if you've got a place to write your notes, take some notes, I want you to catch this because we're going to look at three keys to why God purposed and created marriage. Here's the first. God created marriage to be a purposeful union. Say it with me. God created marriage to be a purposeful union. Now, catch this. Meaning side by side. 
I love that picture. Side by side. Remember, a suitable helper, a suitable partner. You know, I was taught growing up that everything God created was good. Have you were taught the same? Yep. There's only a problem with that. It's not true in Scripture. Did you know that? It's very interesting. Even before sin even entered the world, the Bible said it is not good for a man to be alone. Everything God created was good, and yet he says, but it's not good. This is before sin. It is not good. And precisely, by the way, why we're having a hard time in the wake of this virus. It's why we're struggling. It's really important you catch this because inside all of us is this want to be with someone else, to be in community. And thus we're struggling because it's exposing our inner God-created heart. We don't want to be alone. We don't want to be isolated. You see, what it means when I say side by side, it means we're in this together. We're in partnership. We're, we're rowing and stroking and going in the same direction. That's what marriage was purposed to be. You know, I read about this young couple who were struggling to get their brand new couch through a doorway. You got this picture? One on one end, one on the other, and they're struggling of getting this couch through this doorway. In exhaustion, he finally says, I'm going to go get some help. We got to get this couch inside the room. To which she says, in the room? I thought we were trying to get it out of the room. <laughs> Hence the struggle. But there's a lot of marriages like that, isn't there? They're not stroking in the same direction. See, we have to understand a God-given purposeful marriage is a, merge, a marriage that was created not just for me, not just for we, but all about he. Did you catch that? And we do that side by side. Ecclesiastes says it this way. Two are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. Don't you love that? We're better together. But we're better together when we're stroking in the same direction. And that direction is a God direction. Did you catch that? You see, success in God's plan is always much greater than any success in man's plan. Always. That's what Jesus said when he said, you can gain the whole world and yet lose your soul. Oh my goodness, that's not success. That's stupid. You with me on that? But yet it seems too many marriages, that's the way they function. You see, they, they come together side by side at the marriage. But as soon as the marriage is over, as soon as the wedding's over per se, it seems they, they go into separate directions. So that just doesn't make sense. It happens all the time. You see, side by side is a God marriage, God purposed, moving in a God eternal direction. Folks, that's success. Mm -hmm. Amen to that? Amen, Amen to that? Amen. Let's talk about that for a moment. What are your thoughts when you hear that? When you think about doing life together side by side, what does that mean to you? That means that I always have to have Tom's back side by side, whatever he's doing, whether I agree with it or not. I, I've got his back. Whether well, you agree with it that. or not, too. I have to trust that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and walking, walking along, really discovering uh, the other person. And I know early on in our marriage, we're getting to know each other 
right? And as we're getting to know each other, we're learning things. And boy, I, and I'm thinking 41 years down the road, I'm still learning things. I'm yep. still figuring yep. out how do I walk with her? And how do I walk side by side? And how do I go to what she may be feeling at the moment? And I think in communicating in that, that we're walking on the same page, like you said, we're not fighting against each other. Or oh, This is what I thought, or this is what I thought, but we're on the same page, united in that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of couples when they get married, they're side by side because they have common goals. So to start a family maybe, or to get a house or that kind of thing. But then what I see over time, they do this because, well, we've had goals, but now mm. they don't have goals anymore that are common. That's why mm. I appreciate what you said, the fact that it has to be God purposed. So rather than just side by side for me, it's side by side by side with God's goals and purposes. Mm -hmm. That's the key that keeps the side by side here yeah. when we're side by side and where God is going as a part of his kingdom mm -hmm. rather than our own goals and our own dreams. That's good. Yeah. yeah, one of the things we learned through this and that we're reminded through this, we always had this mantra that said uh, we wanted to be in one accord and figure out how we could come to one accord. Mm -hmm. And um, as a non-believer early on, I didn't realize that was in the Bible. And when I read that in the Bible, and I came across mm -hmm. it again the other day while we were listening to one of the messages, and it reminded me that that one accord, that's where it came from. And that's why we have always sought that and, and try to get there, even in the midst, because there's going to be tensions. There's going to be Always. times when we're yeah. going to disagree yeah. about things. Totally. But if we can come to that one accord, and why? Because this is what God wanted for us. Yeah. Here's the second key purpose when God established marriage and what it was to be all about. God created marriage to be a sacred union. God created marriage to be a sacred union. Say it with me. God created marriage to be a sacred union. Now, here's what I mean by that. Heart to heart. Not just side by side, but heart to heart. According to Disney's Tarzan, we're supposed to be two hearts beating as one. That's what the Bible just said. The two shall become one. But listen to this. But our first devotion with God is key to the success of our second devotion, if you will. It's key. If we're going to be two hearts, then they both hearts need to beat to one heart, and that's God's heart. I say it all the time. The intimacy is key vertically before it ever goes horizontally. True with that? Oh, my goodness. Church, we need to catch this heart to heart. Look what Genesis 2 says. The Lord God formed out of the ground everything, all the animals. Then the Lord God brought them to the man. Then the Lord God caused the man to fall asleep. And while he was sleeping, then the Lord God took one of his ribs. Then the Lord God made a woman. And then the Lord God brought her to the man. Do y'all catch the theme here? Who's the theme? The Lord God. He's the theme. He's not just a theme. He's the key to everything. Now listen this. Don't miss this. Before God formed the church or any other entity, he first formed the home. Isn't that interesting? He first formed marriage, the home, before anything else. Why? Because it's the most thing that's dear to his heart. We need to catch that. But then look at the passage. Adam then didn't have to go looking for his Eve. 
You know, there's a song out by Johnny Lee says, I was looking for love in all the wrong places. Some of you know the song. Looking for love in too many faces, searching their eyes, looking for traces of what I'm dreaming of, hoping to find a friend and a lover. I'll bless the day I discover another heart looking for love. Well, guess what? Guess what? You don't have to go looking. God's already been cooking. All right? It's important you catch this. If you don't get this heart, you ready for this? You'll never get his or her heart. Let me say it another way. No one cares more about your love life than God. That's why it's sacred. That's why it's sacred. You see, the word sacred means, you might want to write this down. It means to be holy. It means to be blessed. It means to be consecrated. Thus, the matters of your heart are a major matter of God's heart. And when you place your heart in his hands, he'll place their hands in your heart. Did y'all catch that? When we put our heart in his hands, he will place another hand in your heart. Isn't that incredible? That's what I mean, heart to heart. You see, only God can take two imperfect people and make them into a perfect union. How does that work? That's why, you ready for this? It's not only sacred to God, but why we need the sacred who is God. It's a big deal, isn't it? It's a sacred union. Let's talk about this for a moment. What does that mean to you? What does that say to you? Wow, for me, coming, coming from uh, our background of not following God for the first probably 13, 14 years of our marriage, uh, we didn't have that. And so when we started to discover that, that meant everything because uh, that was the oh wow moment, uh, the sudden moment when we did things like sacred marriage and started to really learn what that meant. And it changed everything. And I've always kind of said we've had about three marriages and throughout these years. And, and uh, when we got to that point of, of having Jesus in the middle of that and understanding what a sacred marriage was and understanding that it took time to get there, it just changed everything and it's never been better. Yeah. yeah, to me, I just picture that of marriage being so sacred to God, it's the, the importance of it. And because it's so sacred to God, is knowing that the enemy wants to destroy that. So because of that, and you've said it plenty of times, is this has to be on point because the devil's always gonna try to destroy this. But we know if, if, okay, God, if this is right, God, you will work everything out in understanding the importance of what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when I think about my girls, um, one of the things I say all the time, and, and, and I'm not trying to discredit dating, but too often we're the one doing the looking mm. rather than realizing if we look here, yeah. Yeah. he's going to take care of what we really desire here. Oh, yeah. That's right. And so many couples get into trouble. Because they're trying, if you will, to, to create what only God has already created, mm-hmm. what he already had purposed and planned. Yep. Mm. Yep. Knowing that it starts here, I know this, that if I don't spend time with God each day, I know it. Mm-hmm. If I miss a couple days with God, Cindy knows it. Mm. Obviously, if I go long enough, everybody knows it. But it has to start with my sacred walk mm-hmm. with God. Yep. Yeah. So only then can this walk, can this walk become sacred. It has to start that way for mm-hmm. me. Yep, you're right. Well, church, here's number three. God created marriage to be a permanent union. 
God created marriage to be a what union? Permanent. Permanent union. Now, here's what I want you to catch a picture of, meaning hand in hand. Not just side by side, not heart to heart, but walking hand in hand. Genesis 2, that verse 24 says what? And they become one flesh. Mm -hmm. Then Jesus added those words, therefore don't let anyone separate what God has joined together. Thus we exchange the vows at our wedding, what? Till death do us part. Are you, are you ready for this? Did you know that the word cleave, this word cleave, where a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, did you know it means doing something permanent? In fact, if you look in the original language, it removes any option of coming apart. What God joined together, there is no other option. It's one flesh. It's one heart. Walking hand in hand. And that's what it really means to hold on to that hand. You ready for this? For dear life. It's holding on to that hand for eternal life. It's like from that movie and uh, the movie of Titanic. Remember what he said, Rose? Don't let go. Never let go. You know, there's a motto in the military and the motto is this, leave no man behind. It's a great motto. I think it's one we need to adopt for our marriages. Leave no spouse behind. I won't let go. Listen to what the motto goes on to say. I will always keep myself mentally alert, physically strong, and morally straight. That's interesting. That's in the military. I will shoulder more than my share of the task, whatever that may be, 100% and then some. Imagine if we had that mindset. If we truly walked hand in hand in light of that. Well, what does that say to you? What does that mean to you when you think, of your own relationship. I think one of the big things is not letting yourself get distracted by other couples or other people that you see and want to replicate what other people have. And I think that's easy for couples to do at some point in their marriages to see with someone else's relationship and think, I want that, or why can't we do that or something. But remembering that what one couple may work for, or what may work for one couple doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you and your couple or your relationship with your spouse is significant in the things that you do together and magnifying those things together. I always remember as a kid growing up, uh, the, the games where you put kids across the line, you try to break through the line, you know, and, and you would do anything, man, you would hold on forever because yeah. nothing was gonna break that oh, hole. that Red Rover. Yep, game. exactly, Red Rover. And you do that, and in marriage, there's so many things that try to break through the line mm -hmm. of not, that the enemy uses. It could be finances, it could be a variety of different things that try to break through the line. Yeah. And you have to have that mentality that says, Listen, we are not going to let it break through our line here. Mm -hmm. We're going to hold this line here for the sake of our marriage, for the sake of our family, yeah. and those come behind us. That's it has right. to be that. Yeah, way. that's good. Yeah. And I think you can back that up, read a little bit. Partly, when you understand the sacred mm -hmm. of what this means to God, and, and that you really are two lives come together as one, it has a lot more to do then of how I'm going to hold on to that hand. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't get this, You'd be quick to let go. Oh, yeah. That's good. But Jesus said what? No greater love that you would lay down your life. When you understand the sacred that, that as we come into Palm Sunday and we come into this time of Easter, 
that no greater love that Jesus would lay his life down. Would you get that? And I'm to have that same love for my spouse? Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, I'm going to hold on for dear life. You know what? Leave no spouse behind. That's, that's an incredible point because I, I'm thinking about early in our marriage when we, we, we lived out in an area where we didn't know anybody. Uh, we just kind of landed there in, in central New Hampshire and we only had each other. And I thought, well, that's good enough. We only have each other. And, and we learned over time that, boy, that's a dangerous place to be in when we only have each other. Uh, yeah, you want to hold on to that, but you need the mechanism to hold on to that. And it wasn't until we moved to an area where we... Uh, discovered Christ and discovered that and discovered that that's how you hold on. Yeah. And we re, yeah. <laughs> retooled our whole marriage uh, mm-hmm. kind of based on yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I think, oh, go ahead. The word permanent speaks loudly to me. That is like very, it's a holy word almost mm-hmm. the way that you explained it. Mm-hmm. And um, because 40 years in, this is permanent. It's kind of scary sometimes, like when we're not getting along or I'm not seeing what he's seeing or I'm not able to articulate what I need from him. But I always lean back to, okay, God, what do you want me to learn? What do you want me to learn? You know, there's nothing wrong with Tom. It's, it's all about me being disconnected in the moment because mm-hmm. I want permanent. I want, mm-hmm. it, I want to do 80 years. So I like that. Yeah. Yep. Somebody said there's nothing wrong with my, with my spouse that God can't fix in me. Good word. That's a good word. Yeah. Yeah. I just think when I, well, like you said, and I didn't know that that's what Cleve meant, the sacredness of it and knowing that, unfortunately, in the world that we live in society, even sometimes friends or family will tell us, no, it's okay. You deserve something better, whatever it may be. But knowing this is, this is permanent. Regardless of what we go through, my wife and I, it's permanent. And what are we cleaving onto? What are we holding onto? That's Jesus Christ. And knowing that whatever comes our way, whatever people tell us, we're knowing, okay, God, you meant this to be permanent, and we'll get through this because we're holding on to you together. So what is marriage? Let's, let's look at those one more time. It's a purposeful union where we walk side by side in the will of God's design, which means his word then becomes our authority. Mm-hmm. But not only is it a purposeful union, it's a sacred union where we come together heart to heart, first in our relationship with God, which will then transform into the relationship that we have each other, right? Mm -hmm. Finally, it's a permanent union where we live hand in hand, never losing our grip on what matters most to God, and that's our marriages. That's an important thing I just said what matters most to God. We're going to hold on to that. And by the way, what a picture to the world of what it means to have a real relationship with God. See, in light of that, you ready for this? I won't let go. I won't let go because the world needs us. The world needs us. Look at the words of Elton Trueblood. A successful marriage is not one in which two people beautifully matched, find each other and get along happily ever after because of this initial match. No, it is instead a system by means of which persons who are sinful and contentious are so caught by a dream bigger than themselves that they work through the years in spite of repeated disappointments to make the dream come true. Man, those are great words. Those are amazing words. 
Church Palm Sunday, we celebrate the coming of Jesus, the last time he would come in to Jerusalem. And we know the full story of which we're gonna celebrate next week, that Jesus came in the triumphal entry right into Jerusalem. But it was more than that. It was getting ready for what it was really all about, that he would lay his life down and then rise from death so we could experience life. Well, that same Jesus has an incredible purpose and plan for your relationship, specifically marriage. And we understand it's purposeful. We understand it's sacred. We understand it's permanent. It's a game changer. So what are those next steps that you need to take? I wanna encourage you, look at that. Let's embrace that. It's Easter. It's a time that we celebrate life, but life much greater than we could ever imagine and dream. God bless. So let's recap what we just heard. First, I stated that God created marriage to be a purposeful union, a union where we walk side by side, remember? Don't you just love that picture? This is God's will for us, where we recognize that marriage isn't just about us to keep us from being lonely, but purpose for us to make an eternal difference. And if we're together, stroking in that direction, reading and obeying his instructions, I'm going to tell you, it's a game changer. Secondly, I stated, God created marriage to be a sacred union. And I drew the picture of two hearts beating as one, that one being first and foremost, God. You see, when we first get our heart here vertically, it transforms our relationships here horizontally, those relationships with each other. Now, finally, God designed marriage to be a permanent union where we live hand in hand, never losing our grip on what matters most to God. And that's our marriage relationships. And when we truly get this, what a picture it paints to the world of what it means to have a relationship with him. And as I stated, because of that, I'm not going to let go. So what's the next step you need to take? What is that one area in your life that you haven't truly surrendered or maybe just need God's hand on? Maybe today you made the decision to surrender your life to Christ. If so, please click on the below link. We have an amazing team that wants to help you in growing this decision. And as I said in the message, get a life group. <laughs> With all this social distancing and because of technology, you can experience community and you need to. So please check out our webpage or give us a call. We will help you find a group. You know, I love being your pastor and I'm excited about God's future for his church. God bless. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless.